will get to oversee New York City's billions. I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. Hey, and this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. And we are speaking with candidates for city office in 2021, specifically the comptroller race, the race you've been focused on for the past few weeks, uh, kind of underappreciated, a very important job overseeing the city's billion, multi-billion dollar, $90 billion budget, all the agencies that they audit, uh, reviewing and registering contracts, settling claims against the city, managing the city's debt, and overseeing the pension funds, as well as proposing policy, comptroller's office. Also, uh, not that it will ever come up, uh, number three in terms of Merrill's succession after the mayor and public advocate and often a stepping stone for running for mayor. Uh, the current field of mayoral candidates includes current Scott, current comptroller Scott Stringer, uh, Bill Thompson, who was uh, comptroller in 2001 to 2009, ran for mayor and was almost elected, almost beat Mayor Bloomberg in 2009. John Liu ran the year after that. And many of the uh, predecessors have also cast their their hat in the ring. So we were just listening to Senator Brian Benjamin <clears throat> from Harlem, who is one of the four, I'd say, main Democrats, major Democrats in the race, about eight names in the race total. Some of them um, lesser known people and, and newer candidates uh, will be speaking momentarily with Assemblyman David Weprin, who is a veteran uh, financier and uh, and elected official in New York City and New York State. And uh, actually, I'm told we now have him on the line. So please welcome the Assemblyman for the 24th District in Queens and Democrat running for City Comptroller David Weprin. Mr. Weprin, welcome to Max and Murphy. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. So you, uh, among your many other experiences as a public official, you ran for the job of city comptroller in 2009. You were not successful. You're now running again. What, if anything, has changed about your pitch? And what, if anything, do you think has changed about the job that would confront you if you win? Well, certainly uh, back in 2009, we actually had three uh, qualified candidates from Queens. Uh, This time, I expect to be... Uh, the only candidate from Queens, uh, and I've also had a lot more relevant experience uh, since then. You know, I've been uh, in the um, Assembly now for the last uh, 11 years. Uh, I've been on the Ways and Means Committee most of that time. I chair the uh, Corrections Committee uh, right now, but um, probably um, my most relevant experience during this tough fiscal time, and this is probably the worst fiscal crisis the city of New York has ever experienced or will ever experience, worse than the 1975 fiscal crisis, worse than the post-9-11 fiscal crisis when I first came in to the city council and chaired the finance committee and the 2008 recession all put together. So uh, I think my relevant finance experience, both public and private sector relevant finance, uh, is going to make a big difference uh, during this fiscal crisis. Size up the crisis for us. Do you think this is a devastating but temporary blip? Are things going to come back to something approaching normal in terms of people returning to their offices and and businesses coming back online, you know, retail recovering to some degree? Or have we entered a different period? Is the, is the economy and the city going to be on a wholly different trajectory because of the changes that COVID-19 has wrought? Well, certainly it's 
temporarily it's uh, it's had a major effect, but uh, I think the key is to get the vaccine to everyone, uh, at least 80 percent, and then we can have herd immunity. Uh, I think under uh, President Biden, I think they're making it a major priority uh, to get that vaccine out. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to take, whether it's uh, a matter of months or not, but uh, but certainly it's. Um, I think the long-term future uh, is good, and I think once we get that vaccine out and uh, distributed, I think that's going to have a major effect uh, on small businesses, on people getting back to work, uh, and obviously uh, the economy in general. What do you think of the job Scott Stringer has done for the past uh, seven years as city comptroller? I think I think he's overall done a good job. Um, obviously, there's things I would do uh, a little differently and uh, and try to uh, emphasize. Uh, for example, example the uh, the outside contracting budget uh, for the city of New York uh, is about 17 billion dollars uh, in different city agencies, and the Department of Ed budget in particular uh, is eight billion dollars. Uh, the outside contracting budget, uh, and that's not acceptable. The, the city of New York has 60. 407 uh, contracts. Uh, as I mentioned, Department of Ed is, is by far the, the largest uh, at $8 billion. Uh, the total contracting budget is about $17 billion. I think through the audit function, uh, those contracts should be audited on a regular basis. And under the city charter, you only have to audit uh, every city agency once every four years. I don't think that's enough. I think it's, we should be looking at auditing uh, every year if possible, but certainly every other year. Do you let's dig into that critique a little bit more? Do you think that the city is is just spending too much on those contracts, or is it is it outsourcing work that should properly be done by public employees in city agencies? I think it's probably both. You know, certainly we should try to maximize uh, our workforce and, 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 and not contracting out if we can do it uh, internally. But clearly, um, you know, I think there could be a lot of savings uh, in the budget uh, by looking carefully at those contracts. And, uh, you know, over the years, many scandals have come out of the contracting budget. I, uh, you know, the city time scandal comes under uh, comes to note, you know, under John Liu when he was controller, uh, and that was uh, wasting billions of dollars. Uh, and um, I remember uh, when Alan Hevesy, uh, I think was state controller, uh, he discovered the two sets of books that the MTA, um, you know, was, was holding, had two separate sets of books, and that was uh, clearly discovered through the audit function. So uh, I think the audit function can be a, a tool uh, to find uh, this waste and, and save the city money. You mentioned that you are currently the chair of the Committee on Corrections. I think you've had that post since 2017. What reforms uh, are you proudest of that you pursued? And, you know, given the conversation here about jails, about what to do with Rikers, about constructing the borough jails that are intended to replace it, is there anything that you bring from that work as chair of the Corrections Committee to the job of comptroller? Well, you know, uh, certainly um, we've done a lot of um, uh, criminal justice reform. Uh, there's still a lot more to do uh, in the area of, um, you know, reducing our uh, prison population and uh, more um, alternatives to incarceration, incarceration more educational pro- 
programs uh, in our correctional facilities. Uh, actually, um, as we're reducing uh, prison population at the state and local level, we're actually saving money at the same time uh, because um, a lot of uh, people that were formerly incarcerated, uh, you know, are no longer dangerous to society. We have a lot of older prisoners, uh, and uh, clearly the state is, is going to be saving a lot of money uh, as we reduce the population, and the city has already saved a lot of money uh, by reducing uh, the prison population at local jails. One uh, corrections-related issue has come up regarding uh, COVID, and that is how the governor has handled uh, COVID in the state prisons, uh, both the spread of the disease and now questions about when and how to vaccinate inmates. Do you feel as though the Cuomo administration has handled that properly? Has the assembly had any role in uh, critiquing how they've approached it? Well, I've been pushing along with a number of my colleagues uh, in the assembly uh, to have to prioritizing um, uh, corrections, the Department of Corrections employees, as well as correction officers, uh, as well as the uh, the inmates, uh, incarcerated individuals uh, can easily spread. And uh, they treated nursing homes uh, as a special category of congregate uh People, you know, who are more likely to spread uh, the disease much quicker. The same is for prisons, and we've seen it. We've had many deaths uh, in the correctional system uh, over the last number of months, uh, and I think uh, we've been pushing to prioritize the vaccine uh, to all correctional employees uh, as well as the incarcerated individuals. So you're, as we've mentioned throughout this evening's program, you're one of, of you know, four kind of major Democrats seeking this post. What do you think would set you apart? Not in terms of qualifications, because you've touched on that a little bit already, the fact that you're from Queens being one of them, but in terms of what that would look like. So there's David Weprin is our comptroller. What will that mean that's different from some of the other candidates? What will that look like? Well, look like uh, certainly my um, you know primary responsibility as controller uh, would be a fiduciary one uh, to make sure that the uh, pension funds uh, have the best return on on assets. Uh, but um, you know the controller's office also has many different divisions, and uh, one of the um, important divisions is the prevailing wage division, uh, and where they enforce the prevailing wage laws uh, in the controller's office, and uh, we have contracts that by law uh, require prevailing wage. And, uh, you know, obviously a lot of that is in the enforcement function uh, in that division. Your uh, campaign website has a, a basically a policy page called Getting Us Back on Track with a bunch of ideas there. What stands out for you? What do you want to, obviously you'll have your fiduciary responsibilities as comptroller, but uh, what are the kind of proactive things you'd want to do if you got the office? Well, uh, you know, pr- proactively, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot, uh, you know, we can do. There's, uh, you know, so many different uh, areas. But again, as I mentioned before, uh, I think the audit function uh, has been uh, underutilized, uh, and particularly concentration on uh, going after some of these uh, outside contracts. Uh, $17 billion in outside contracts for the city of New York is a much uh, too large a number. Uh, and, you know, we're talking about... Uh, $18 billion out of a $92 billion budget, uh, that's far too much uh, that could be done uh, by existing employees. But uh, certainly the audit function uh, can be used uh, to look at those contracts. One of the policies that you uh, you point out on your site is about affordable housing and uh, using the power of the comptroller's office to try to achieve more of that. What, what would you plan to do there? 
Well, you know, the economically targeted investments, uh, which is uh, ETA, uh, or ETI, I guess, economically targeted investments, um, the um, law allows you to invest up to 2% of the pension fund. It's still, you know, a small percentage, but, uh, you know, when you're dealing with uh, 2%, uh, you know, of a $230 billion uh, pension fund combined, uh, it's still a large amount of money. So I'd like to see uh, more middle-class housing. Uh, we have, um, we often have two civil servants servants uh, in the city, and we want to encourage uh, fire and police and teachers to live in the city, and it's becoming very unaffordable. So I'd like to see uh, more of an emphasis uh, in that uh, program uh, on middle-class housing, where we can have city employees uh, you know, live affordably. So as you know, this week, uh, big news from the Comptroller's office was the word that three of the city's five pension funds for retirees, the Teachers Fund, the Board of Education Employees Fund, and the General uh, Municipal Employees Fund, NICERS, had agreed to divest from fossil fuel companies to the tune of some $4.1 billion. The two other funds, the firefighters and the police officers, or police pension fund, I should say, um, have not yet participated in that. It's not quite clear why. Um, if you were a Comptroller and you were you know, speaking to those pension boards in your duty as one of the trustees uh, of the pension funds. What's the case that you would make, or how would you frame the issue of divestment in terms of whether and when it's appropriate for a fund to do something like shed fossil fuel stocks? Well, in the case of the fossil fuel, uh, you know, and the, uh, the impact on the environment, my environmental record record uh, in both the city council and the assembly has always been outstanding. I've always been endorsed by the New York League of Conservation Voters and often had a 100% uh, voting record uh, for them. So uh, uh, at the same time, uh, my primary responsibility as controller uh, would be um, the fiduciary obligation of getting the best uh, returns on the assets. Uh, in this particular case, if you have the pension funds uh, supporting certain uh, disinvestment uh, or divestment in this case uh, from fossil fuel stocks, uh, you know, it also uh, is not inconsistent with getting the best return. And uh, obviously, a lot of these fossil fuel stocks uh, could be uh, dangerous to you know, instability uh, in the future and, uh, you know, certainly uh, could have an effect uh, on the return. So uh, it's, you know, it's not inconsistent to continue that fiduciary obligation to get the best returns at the same time uh, making socially responsible investments. So uh, in this particular case, uh, if you have uh, the um, the trustees uh, supporting it and uh, you're, you're investing in uh, return as stocks that are have uh, as good a return if not better return uh, in lieu of those fossil fuel stocks uh, i think it it makes economic sense do you think the as trustees well as socially should, responsible sense do you think the trustees should support it i think it's up to the trustees it's their money uh, you know, I uh, I would obviously uh, you know discuss it with them, but uh, it's ultimately you know uh, their members' money, and uh, I think they should be a part of that uh, decision making. I'm curious, and the bio on your assembly website it mentions that uh, re- reviewing your career in the city council that at the time that Mayor Bloomberg was proposing it, you opposed congestion pricing. Uh, how do you feel about it now and the, the proposal that the state passed and that is uh, pending federal approval coming to New York City? 
Well, you know, I, I think I was the last man standing uh, opposing it, uh, and one of them. And uh, part of the problem was uh, I thought it disproportionately uh, affected the middle class uh, and affected small businesses who often had to make uh, multiple deliveries uh, to the city. And obviously the economy now on small businesses uh, is devastating. You know, we uh, and I understand the governor is uh, going to be allowing for indoor dining again uh, at 20 25%. He hasn't officially announced a timetable yet, but uh, I was one of the strong advocates uh, to allow for indoor dining because uh, my assembly district borders on Nassau County, and I still think it's absurd as long as you're doing it safely uh, that uh, right across the street in Nassau County, uh, you did not have indoor dining uh I mean, and that's why you had indoor dining, and actually right now it's at 50%, uh, and then you had no percent of dining in New York City. So I was one of the people to advocate for that. It didn't make any sense. I think we can be be safe uh, and uh, do it safely and uh, take temperatures and uh, take phone numbers uh, and have social distancing uh, and do it responsibly. But it was really devastating the, uh, the restaurant industry uh, in New York City. So... Uh, do you, speaking of COVID and the crisis, I'm curious, what's your position on increasing, uh, perhaps on a temporary basis, uh, taxes on the very wealthy to try to close some of the budget gaps we're facing? Well, you know, we have to be careful uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, um, we we not uh, totally tax our way out of this, uh, this problem. But, uh, you know, I think it's certainly we have a lot of wealthy uh, New Yorkers and uh, they certainly uh, will benefit from uh, New York City's recovery. So uh, I would support, you know, a, a high end tax uh, as part of the solution. Uh, but I think we just we have to obviously uh, be careful, uh, you know, taxes, income tax. Taxes are certainly uh, the most progressive form of taxes, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, a better way to go than some of the uh, the other taxes. Uh, I also would like to bring back uh, the non-resident income tax. You know, I think that's uh, the, the fairest tax. When people, uh, when we had it, it was you didn't have major uh, complaints. Uh, it's it only applied to people uh, that uh, worked in New York City uh, but lived outside the city. I have a few proposals in Albany on that. Uh, I have a one percent proposal, and I also have a proposal for a tax credit uh, uh, for uh, New York residents, uh, dollar for dollar. So it would only apply to New Jersey and Connecticut residents. So I, I had a few proposals, but if any is any time is the time to consider bringing back uh, some form of a commuter tax or a non-resident income tax, uh, now is the time uh, during this fiscal crisis. I also area- advocated for some of the taxes that the governor just proposed in the state of the state budget. Uh, I did an op-ed piece in the Gotham Gazette in July where I uh, advocated for um, the uh, online uh, you know, gaming tax uh, for uh, to allow sports betting online uh, and for a marijuana tax. Uh, which the city and state should be able to benefit from, uh, and the governor proposed that actually in a state of the state. So I've been advocating for that for a while. Gotham Gazette, nobody reads that thing. 
That's crazy. Well, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, an area, of, obviously, of pr- profound concern over the past year has been uh, policing and the question of police reform. And it has this financial aspect to it, which is the, the issue of defunding the police, the question of you know, whether the NYPD budget is too big, if the money is being spent wisely, if there's ways to spend less and divert that money to other purposes, uh, be it uh, addressing community issues or dealing with mental health problems. Do you think there's a role for the council? Would there be a role for the comptroller if you were elected in looking at kind of the financial side of police reform in examining the NYPD budget more carefully? Oh, absolutely. And and it's a multi-billion dollar outside contracting budget as well uh, for the police department. And that's uh, that certainly uh, should be audited. Uh, you know, again, uh, I was not uh, I supported the police reform in Albany. Uh, you know, I voted for all the bills. I certainly um, it would not it did not advocate, though, uh, I'm against the defund the police. I'm against uh, significantly reducing police headcount because I think we've already seen a spike uh, in gun violence, uh, particularly in uh, many minority neighborhoods uh, throughout the uh, five boroughs. And, uh, you know, I think by reducing the uh, police headcount, that has contributed to uh, some of the increase in crime. And uh, that also has a financial effect uh, on uh, on the economy, uh, on the real estate market, uh, on, on, on business. Businesses. So uh, I don't think reducing the police headcount is the answer, but there's no question that we should have more emphasis, you know, on uh, police sensitivity training and dealing uh, with um, dealing with mentally ill people. A lot of these shootings uh, that have taken place over the years have involved, you know, individuals with mental illness, and there's got to be a better way uh, to handle that. But uh, I don't think significantly reducing police headcount uh, is the answer, uh, and I think think uh, that could you know lead to uh, an issue with public safety. So I've got to ask, you right now sit in the assembly seat that your father, who was a very respected assembly speaker, held and your brother held for many, many years. Um, you were in the city council. And now your brother holds the seat that, that you once held there. Um, you're not exactly a fresh face in politics. And, you know, this is an era when, as often occurs, people are looking for for new voices and new faces. What would you say to someone who says to you, look, I think it's time for a new generation of leadership in New York City um, that you've you've could have had your had your run. What's what's your response to someone like that? My response to that is I'm running for controller. You know, I'm not looking to use this as a stepping stone. Uh, I'm uh, the right man for the right time at this point because uh, we are going to be uh, in, a, in a real fiscal crisis for a number of years. Uh, particularly, we're anticipating uh, a four billion dollar budget deficit uh, in the city, uh, and sometimes uh, for a position like that uh, in a tough time, uh, experience matters. Uh, and boring may not be sexy, but it's certainly relevant uh, for uh, for being controller uh, during uh, a very tough fiscal time, probably the worst fiscal time in the history of the city of New York. On this show, boring is very, very sexy. Uh, but uh, <laughs> on that note, Assemblyman David Weprin, a Democrat for City Comptroller, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. 
Well, Ben, two conversations with two more candidates for this important citywide office. Any uh, any quick impressions? Well, I had to resist uh, jumping in to uh, to defend uh, Gotham again against your your cutting sarcasm. Uh, no, yeah, I thought it was internal monologue. I apologize. I think, yeah, no, I think I think the assembly member thought you were serious there for a second. He was he was getting ready to defend uh, defend our work. Um, no, listen, you know, I mean, I think there was a lot in those two interviews about how these two different candidates would approach the job. I think now that we've talked to State Senator Parker, City Councilmember Lander, State Senator Benjamin and Assemblymember Weprin, we have a really good, you know, initial sense of these four candidates for city controller. We'll have to talk to the other candidates as well. Uh, just a quick highlight that's, you know, some somewhat related, but not quite the core work of the office. Although, you know, how you use the bully pulpit is important here. Um, both State Senator Benjamin and, and Assemblymember David Weprin disagreed on the NYPD budget question. So that was pretty interesting from this mm-hmm. set of interviews. You know, State Senator Benjamin said he he definitely thinks there should be uh, some kind of cut to the NYPD budget. And Assemblymember Weprin said uh, said otherwise. Yeah, no, I think there were differences there, both in, in tone and on, on substance. Uh, I think it, it's something we can always say. There's a lot more to these conversations that we could ever cover in 50 minutes on the radio uh, or even five hours if we were on that often. Uh, so going to citylimits.org and GothamGazette.com is always a good idea, um, but especially now because we are upping, upping our coverage of this race, of other races, of the issues at play. We have videos that kind of break down some of the major issues on policing and climate change with more to come. So make sure you visit uh, www.citylimits.org and gothamgazette.com. And if you tune in tomorrow at 2 p.m., we are having a uh, a forum uh, sponsored by the Center for Community Media at CUNY featuring some of the mayoral candidates. If you check out my Twitter at Jarrett Murphy, I'll be tweeting out information for that if you want to check in there. Ben, anything Thing coming up for you in the next few days? Well, we've got a whole bunch of coverage of this election cycle, so I would encourage people to pop over to GothamGazette.com and, and check out what's going on. One race that we've been covering, I think um, I think as much, if not more than anybody else, is the very important race for Manhattan District Attorney, uh, yes. which is not a city government position, but is uh, sort of technically a state-level post. It's a county post. Um, so different election rules there, different campaign finance rules there, but it's happening this year at the same time as the city election. So we've been covering that race quite a bit, and uh, we've had some recent recent stories there, but but a whole bunch of other uh, uh, other coverage as well. Have a great week in the greatest city in the world. 